whole morning right now, the whole reason why I am excited to be here with you guys, and it's all just one point, and it's not even a whole bunch of things because I'm not really that smart of a guy. So the whole message today is this one thing. If you walk out of here with one purpose, it's all because of this. Don't give up. Don't give up. Matter of fact, turn to the person next to you and let them know. Don't give up. That, that was pretty calm. Don't, don't give up. That's it. Just don't give up. Don't give up. Case in point, 2 Chronicles 15.7 says this. But as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. Don't give up. No matter what happens, no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what the circumstances may be, don't give up. Case in point, when I was younger, growing up, I have two older brothers. And my older brothers, they could do everything better than I could. My older brothers, they could, like, brush their hair better than I could. They could eat cereal better than I could. They did everything better than I could. And one morning, I'll never forget it. I remember I'm sitting down at my breakfast table, and I am actually having a bowl of Frosted Flakes, because Frosted Flakes is the greatest cereal in the world. It even says on the box, they're great. So I am sitting there, and I am eating a bowl of the Frosted Deliciousness, and then all all of a sudden, I can feel my brother staring at me. Now, you guys have to know my brother's name. His name is Bug. I don't know why we call him Bug. I mean, that's just what you do when you're black. So my brother Bug is staring right at me, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, hey, man, this is kind of creepy. I don't even know if Tony the Tiger would approve of this. And then all of a sudden, he goes, Terrence, I bet I could beat you in a race. And I'm like, of course you could beat me in a race. You are five years older than me. Of course you can. And he goes, Terrence, I'm so confident I could beat you in a race. I'm willing to bet you $100. Now, I'm thinking, oh, snap. You know how many Nintendo games I could buy with $100? This is back in the day. So I'm like, of course, I've got to try. I've got to try to beat my brother. And so as we're starting to go outside, we're making a little bit of a ruckus. And my mom, she is upstairs, and she was sleeping. So, of course, my mom, being the concerned mom that she is, she comes downstairs, and she's just like, hey, hey, hey. Hey, what is going on down here? I'm like, Mom, I'm going to raise Bug, and I'm going to beat him for $100. And my mom looked at me and I was like, you stupid. You do, but you stupid. And so my brother and I, we go outside. Now, you all guys understand that our house was on top of that hill. And at the bottom of that hill was the rest of where the deer would be. And so my brother, he was just like, all right, parents, here's what we're going to do. the hill and my brother he's like on your marks and as soon as he said that I was just like boom I was in my position I am ready to go and he goes get set and I'm like all right Terrence laser focus laser focus laser focus and he goes now hold on and I'm like hold on what you mean hold on that doesn't mean go what you mean and he goes Terrence I'm so confident I could beat you I'm willing to give you a 10 second head start 
I'm like, okay, Merry Christmas to me. Okay, we got to go. We got to do this. And he goes, Terrence, are you ready? And I was like, I was born ready. And he's like, all right, on your marks, get set, go. And the minute he said go, I'm taking off. I'm running as fast as I can. My arms are flinging all over the place. Now, I'm not paying attention to the time. And I don't know if 10 minutes or 10 seconds have passed by. But then all of a sudden, I can hear my brother right behind me. And his footsteps are getting louder, and they're getting louder. And I'm starting to think to myself, I am not going to be able to beat my brother. I'm starting to run out of breath. We're running up a hill. I don't know if you've ever seen a black man turn red, but it ain't a pretty sight. And as I'm running, thinking that I'm about to die running up this hill, all of a sudden, I close my eyes, just thinking, this might help me run faster. And then all of a sudden, in the darkness of my mind, I heard, run, baby, run. I was like, oh, snap, that's my mama calling me. I got to go. So I started picking up the pace, and I'm running just a little bit faster. And the next thing I know, I can feel the embrace of my mom. And she goes, you did it, Terrence. You beat him. You did it. And I was just like, I beat him. I beat him. And I'll never forget my brother. He came over to me. He threw a $100 bill in my face, and he goes, I'm still prettier than you. But I didn't even care because I beat my brother that day. And the only reason why I was able to beat him, it wasn't because I was smarter than him. It wasn't because I was faster than him. The only reason why I was able to beat him in the race was because I didn't give up. Listen, every single person in this room, you are in a race. And that race is called life. And sometimes you may feel like you are far behind. Sometimes you may think like everybody is doing it better than you are. But I'm here to tell you today that if you have a heart beating with inside your chest, that you can't give up. There's hope for you. There's somebody calling your name. And he's saying, I love you. You got to keep going. It's not about what other people say. It's not about what other people do. But if you believe in Jesus Christ, he's saying, I am for you. And I know you're going to win. Don't give up. Turn to the person next to you. Let them know one more time. Don't give up. (laughs) Don't give up. Let her know. Wake her up. Don't give up. As a matter of fact, when I look at the story in 2 Kings 13, 14 through 19, I believe this story describes this very well. See, and if you guys have your Bibles, you can feel free to turn to 2 Kings 13, 14. And here's the thing about it. First of all, you guys have to know I am like a Bible nerd because, you know, I graduated from Bible school, and so I should like the Bible a little bit. And so in liking the Bible, one of the things that I love reading about in the Bible is the old prophets. Now, one of my favorite prophets of all time has to be the prophet of Elisha. And uh, Elisha, he like, when he shows up on the scene, and matter of fact, I'll take it back just a little bit. My favorite, favorite prophet is Elijah. I know, it gets really confusing, but trust me, you've got to hold on here. Hold on. Because the thing about Elijah is when he first shows up on the scene, it's like most of the Bible, they give like a backstory. They're like, okay, this is the son of none and all the jazz. But not with Elijah. When he shows up on the scene, he just w- walks in and he's like, hey, 
it ain't going to rain up in this place because I'm a servant of the Lord, and I say so. And everybody's like, who is this crazy guy? What is he talking about? And it literally, it doesn't rain in the whole land. And so everybody's getting mad at Elijah as the months and months of no rain, the drought is happening. As it's going on, everybody's thinking, okay, this guy Elijah, he has done this. And so all of a sudden, somebody comes up to Elijah, and they're like, hey, we got to figure this out. And Elijah's like, all right, we're going to have a God off. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a God off before, but they were literally serving one God, and Elijah's like, I serve the true God. So what they did was they took uh, an offering, and that offering, they're like, okay, whatever God comes down and takes up this offering, that is the true God that we're served. And so the other people, they served this, this other call called Baal. And there's like 350 prophets. Now, I, I'm like giving you guys the ghetto version of it. If you really want all the, all the stuff in that, you got to go back and read it yourself. So they go and they're like, they're trying to get their God to come down and take up this offering. And they got it on the fire and, and the wood all around. And they're doing dancing and all of a sudden. And then Elijah's like, hey, this is ridiculous. Let's end this. He's like, Lord, you know I love you. Come on down and do this. And so all of a sudden, this big old fireball comes down. It takes up all the, the, the offering, all the wood, the water that they poured on it, sucks it up, and it's gone. Now, there's a lot of things that we could talk about, and that's a whole sermon in itself. Talking about, if you think about it, they poured water on this offering. It is a drought, and they poured the water that they had left onto this offering. What is this supposed to say to us? I believe that this says that no matter what it is that you're asking God, you've got to give him everything that you got in order to see God do what God does. You can't hold anything back. But once again, that's a whole nother servant. So he does all these miraculous things. And then finally, Elijah's like, okay, I got to find somebody to take my place. And so instead of going into the school of prophets where people are studying to become a prophet, Elijah walks in the field. And he sees this other guy tilling his land. He walks up to him, throws his big furry coat on him, says, you're going to be the next prophet. Because, of course, if you're going to be a prophet, you've got to have a furry coat. And so he takes it, he destroys his plow, and he follows Elijah. That guy just happened to be Elisha. And as he follows Elijah, he's seeing all these cool things that he does. And then finally, right before Elijah's about to go up into heaven, he turns to Elisha and he goes, hey, what do you want me to do for you? Elisha's like, I want to do a double amount of what you've done. I want a double portion. And literally, when we look into the Bible, he literally does a double amount of miracles more than Elijah does. And so when it's finally time for Elijah uh, to go up into heaven, literally God's like sitting there and he's just like, you know what? That's my dude down there. Go ahead. Send, the, send my God's taxi service to go down and get him. And a chariot of fire come down from heaven. And they're like, hey, Elisha, your time is done. Let's go. And he's like, all right, peace out. And he just goes up into heaven. He literally, this is a true story. This is in the Bible. He doesn't die. He doesn't get sick. He just, God just is like, you're cool. You're coming up. Let's go. And then so the chariots of fire go and they pick him up. And, but the thing about it is, for Elisha, he's standing there, and he's seeing all this, and then now it is him to, his time to carry the mantle. But when we look at this story right here, see, it starts off totally differently. See, in this story, we'll, you'll start to see that Elisha, he's sick, and he's about to die, and he's on his deathbed. 
And the guy before him, Elijah, he didn't get sick. He didn't die. God just came down and picked him up. I mean, first of all, we can see right here that God is no respecters of man. He does different things for different people. They were both God's prophet, but yet have very different results. But the story starts off, and it says this. When Elisha was in his last illness, the king of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel, he cried. And Elisha told him, get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow. And Elisha laid his own hands on the king's hands. Then he commanded, open that eastern window. And he opened it. Then he said, shoot. So he shot an arrow. And Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over the army, for you will com completely conquer the army. Then he said, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground three times. But the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground three, uh, five or six times, he exclaimed. Then you would have beaten the army until it was entirely destroyed. Now you will only be victorious three times. Okay, this is a crazy story. And there is a lot going on in this story. But I believe that this story right here, it shows why we shouldn't give up. I believe that this story shows signs of what it looks like when we're about to give up. And so I'm just going to go through, once again, just three different points on why the king is showing signs of giving up. And I believe that these are signs that sometimes we show when we're about to give up in life. First things first is this. The king assumes the worst about his situation. All right, now when you look at this, Elisha, he's on his deathbed, right? And he, is, he has gone throughout the land. He has done all these miracles. And so when he's dying on his bed, this should be the time that people are coming by and the king comes by and he's like, man, you have been an awesome man of God for us. Thank you so much. You know what? You should die in peace. High five. Peace out. See you later. But he doesn't do that, does he? The king comes running into this man that's about to die. He comes running into his room and he goes, my father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel. And he's saying, I see the other army, and they're bigger, and they're better than us. What are we going to do? He's terrified on what he sees. But the thing about it, the exact words that he says, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel. These are the same exact words that Elisha said when he saw God's chariot of fire come down and pick up Elijah and bring him up to heaven. But there were two very different instances. Because see, when Elisha says it, he's saying, I see the real reason why we've been winning the battles that we've been winning. It has nothing to do with us. It's all about what God has in the spirit. He sees God's army come down, and he's like, I have no reason to be afraid no more. Because God's got something way bigger than I'll ever be able to see. What does this say for us? I believe that sometimes when we're about to give up, we think our situation is the worst. We think it can't get any worse than this. But you've got to remember that if you believe in Jesus Christ, 
that there is something going on behind the scenes, that there is something going on in the supernatural that you can't forget about. And God is working things out behind the scenes for you. Do not just merely rely on the natural. Don't just merely rely on what your eyes tell you. Yeah, there's sometimes drama happens in our family, but you've got to believe that my God is going to pull through. He's going to make something happen. Yeah, sometimes financially, our bank accounts, they don't look like the way we want them to look, but we got to remember, God is working something out behind the scenes. I know my God is going to take care of me. Don't just merely go with what your eyes are telling you to go with. Go with what your God has already proclaimed. Because see, we don't call uh, our, our, our belief in Jesus Christ uh, a good idea. No, it's called the good news because it's already happened. It's already done. And all you got to do is believe. That is it. There's no good way to get to heaven. All you have to do is believe in what has already been done. And this is the same thing that when we go through struggles in our life. Don't just think, I hope it works out. You got to know. My God has already worked it out, and I just got to keep on going. Don't give up. The second way that this king shows that he is giving up, and sometimes the second way that we show that we're giving up in our, our lives, is that the king ignores the truth about the situation, and he makes himself the victim. The king is sitting there, and he's like, oh, my goodness, the other army's coming in, and I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel. I don't know what to do. This is, this is bad. I've just been this king, and then all of a sudden all these things are happening. But little does he's not saying to Elisha, he hasn't done all the things that a king should do. He hasn't uh, prayed to God like he should. He hasn't worshiped God like he has. He's ignoring that he has been a very bad king. And things are happening around him because it's his fault. But the thing I love about this story, that even though he has made himself the victim, even though he has not stepped up and said, this is my fault, God still gives him a way out. God still says, I want to help you out of this. And so I think a lot of times in our lives, we think to ourselves, man, I don't know why this is all happening to me. But you got to remember that if you continue, if you just go to God, he's going to work things out for you. God is a good father. He's not sitting there with the king and is just like, you've been a naughty king. I'm glad you came back because I'm going to give you a naughty spanking. No. He's saying, I love you and I want to help you. Maybe I don't know what it is for you guys, but I know in my lifetime there have been so many times where, where I felt like I've been away from God, and I'm like, you know what, I just got to get right. I got to make sure that I start praying, I gotta, and then I'll come back to church, and then I'm going to worship like I usually worship. No. If you know you have sinned, God does not say stay away until you make yourself better. He says come to me. You have to remember that Jesus died on the cross not just for the big sins, he died for the little sins, the medium-sized sins, the sins that we've done ourselves, the horrible, horrible sins that we have. He has died for every single one of them. And if you don't come immediately back to him, you won't be forgiven. Everybody needs a savior. You can't help yourself. You can't stop an addiction by yourself. You can't heal a pain and a hurt by yourself. You have to steadily come back to Christ. He is the one. He has everything that you need. He has your healing. He ha has the breaking of the chains of your addiction upon you. 
all you have to do is just come back to him. Doesn't matter what it is, just come back. And like a good father, he's going to give you a good gift. He's going to show you that he loves you. Don't stay away. Come back to him immediately. Don't give up. And last but not least, a sign that the king shows that he has given up is because he becomes overly skeptical about what he's asked to do. See, uh, Elisha, he says, all right, these arrows in your hand, these represent God's victory. I need you to pound the ground for how many victories you need. And I could just imagine in my head, the king's just like, for real, just pound the ground with arrows, that's it? All right, one, two, three. All right, I'm done. Is that what I need to do? And this is why Elisha gets mad at him. He's like, I have literally given you the keys to victory, and all you're going to do is pound the ground three times? Like, if God was telling you right now, I will give you victory, all you got to do is pound the ground. Some of us would be in here pounding the ground 80, 90 times, like, I need this victory so many times. And But yet, we sit there, and I think for us, it's not about arrows in our hand, but God says, I give you prayer. I give you communication with me. And, and, and our Christian world, sometimes we're like, oh, yeah, just pray about it. Or we'll use that as a last resort. Like, God, I got nothing else. Hopefully you come through. But no. He has given us the keys with those prayers. He's saying, don't let that be your last uh, thing that you do. Let it be the first. Let it be the second. Let it be the third. You come to me with whatever you need, and I will give you the victory that you need. Don't just merely wait. That should be the very first thing that we should do in all our lives is pound the ground with our knees. Keep coming back to God and saying, God, I need you. And you know what? He's like, yeah, and I'm going to give you the victory you need. Don't worry. Pound the ground with how many victories you need in your life. Don't hold back. Don't become overly skeptical about that word prayer. It's, it's our victory. Matter of fact, uh, there was uh, a guy named Winston Churchill, and his quote says this, Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the road may be. For without victory, there is no survival. What was Winston Churchill saying? He was saying this, that in life, life is a fight. You're going to have to fight all of your life, not just in the middle, not just the beginning, but every part of your life is going to be a fight. And if you are going to fight, you better learn how to win. So this is how you win a fight. Never forget 2 Chronicles 15.7. But as for you, be strong and do not give up for your work will be rewarded. All right, here are just three easy ways to not give up, to win a fight in your life. Number one, you have to see yourself as God sees you, separate from your struggles. You are not your struggles. Case in point, uh, I, I, my daughter, Gracie, she's, she's four years old and she's going to preschool and in preschool, they're doing all sorts of things. She's learning new things. And one of the things that she had to learn this year was how to spell her name and write her name down. And so I'll never forget, we sat there and we practiced every night. Okay, this is how you spell grace. G-R-A-C-E. Grace, that's your name. G-R-A-C-E. And, of course, when it came time, she went to school and she had, they asked her, how do you spell her name? She came back and she was like, gr 3 T, and I'm like, okay, hold up. First of all, that was a number. There is no numbers in your name. That's, that's weird that you would spell that way. 
But if you were to ask me, Terrence, what do you think about your daughter? What, what are some characteristics of her? First thing I'm going to tell you is that she's funny. Second thing, she is beautiful. I love her smile. I, I can list off all these things about my daughter. And one of the last things I'm going to tell you about her is that she's a horrible speller. That's not in my mind. I love my daughter. I think she's amazing. This is how God looks at you. He doesn't look at you as a struggle. He doesn't say, oh, yep, that's the person that struggles with uh, uh, smoking. That's that person that struggles with pornography. That's that person that struggles through relationships. No, God looks at you and he says, you're beautiful. Man, I love that person. That's my daughter. I want to take care of this person. God does not look at you as your struggles and neither should you. If you want victory in your life, then look at yourself the way that God sees you. And if you have a hard time doing that, this is why we go back to reading what God says about us. When Paul writes about the renewing of your mind, he's not writing that because he wants you to be a good Christian. He's writing that because sometimes when you go to school, when you have your job, they're going to give you bad reports about yourself. There are going to be people that talk about you. There are going to be people that are going to say, look at me, I'm better than you. There are going to be times when you look at magazines and TV shows and you're saying, I don't look like them. I don't have the life like them. But we come back to renewing of your mind and it says, no, you are precious. You are my masterpiece and I love you. you got to make sure that you renewed and what God thinks and knows about you because you're going to get into a fight in this world and you got to know despite what happens despite what the adversary may say about you you are loved you are cared for uh it reminds me of um uh so like i was telling you guys i travel uh across the country and i do school assemblies and and one of the moments that i do school assemblies uh, I talk about the importance of a dad hug. And if you don't know what a dad hug is, a dad hug says, I love you and you don't have to do anything for me. Dad hug says, I think you're great and you don't have to be the superstar athlete. You don't have to get straight A's. I just think you're great because you're you. And I'll never forget we're at this school and it was like in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I got towards the end of the school assembly and I just said, hey, I know there are some of you in here right now. Maybe for you, you've never received a dad hug. Maybe for you, it's a mom hug, a friend hug, no matter what it is. If you know you need that hug, I want you to come down, and I want you to get it from me because I give the best dad hugs ever. And so sure enough, all these students started to line up to get this dad hug. And as I'm going to hug each and every student, out of the corner of my eye, I see this one guy, and he is pacing back and forth back and forth. And I'll never forget it. He was wearing all black that day and he had his hood up and I couldn't see his face. And so as I am hugging each and every student in the line, I've got my eye on this guy because I'm like, shoot, if he comes up to me, I'm going to cut him. And so, of course, as soon as I hug the last person in line, this guy beelines it straight towards me. And so as he starts running up to me, I start puffing myself up because I'm like, shoot, I'm big for my age. So I'm like, let's do this. And next thing I know, he stops right in front of my face. And he goes, you, you made me feel feelings today. And at first, I wanted to laugh too because I was like, that's a really weird thing to say to a brother. Why would you say that? But in that moment, I did not say that. In that moment, all I said was, okay. 
And next thing I knew, he threw his arms around me, and he gave me one of the biggest hugs I have ever received in my life. And as he is sitting there and he is hugging me, I just whispered to him, hey, man, if there was any reason why we came to your school today, it was for you. Next thing I know, he throws his arms up in the air, and he runs out the gym. And as soon as he runs out the gym, I'm like, uh, okay, we got to clean this up. I don't know if this dude's coming back. We got to go. And so as we get ready to go to the next school, we're sitting down for lunch. All of a sudden, we get a phone call from the principal. And the principal goes, hey, before you go to your next school, you have to know what just happened. He goes, see, after you gave all the students a dad hug, they all went back to their classrooms. But there is one student in particular where nobody talks to him and he doesn't talk to nobody. He went back to his classroom and he sat in the back so nobody would talk to him. But then all the other students in the class began to talk about how cool it was you gave him a dad hug. And then one girl turned towards this kid and she goes, hey, did you receive a dad hug from Terrence? This kid stood up in the back of his class and said, I have never received a dad hug in my life. That was the first time. Then all of a sudden, all the other students in the class proceeded to give this guy a hug to let him know that today was a different day. And as soon as the last girl in the class gave him a hug, he ran out of the classroom. And the principal goes, he ran to my office, walked up to my desk, and put a gun down on the table and said, today was the day I was going to take my own life until I knew somebody cared about me. You can't see yourself as your struggles. You have to know that God loves you. God created you. You are his. See yourself like that. And you won't have to experience a day where you don't think you matter. Because to God, you all matter. He loves each and every one of you. Another way that you can have victory in your life, you have to know anything you do for God is not a waste. No matter what it is, it's not a waste. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this, So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. doesn't matter. I know there are some people that maybe for you, you've been serving, and you're like, man, does anybody notice that I'm here? God notices you, and he's going to use everything you give him. I know there are some of us that struggle with doing our devotions every day, and you're like, man, I only do like five minutes of devotions, and that's, no, that five minutes is way better than nothing. Whatever you give God, he is going to use it. If you do it to get to God, if you do it to just be around God, he's going to use whatever you give him, and he's going to be able to multiply that. So don't hold back. You give God what you got because it is not useless. It's not too little. It's not, it's not unlooked at. God notices everything you give him. So give him everything you got, and he's going to use it. And last but not least, if you want to have victory in your life, you have got to declare it. You've got to say it with your words. So many times, some of us, we get so caught in the notion of maybe this is going to work out. Maybe, no, 
Victory starts with how you speak about it. Victory starts the minute that you proclaim, I know God's going to do something here today. It may not look like it, but I know my God is going to pull through. No matter what it is, you have to declare the victory before you see it, before it happens. It's got to come out of you. Because what? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. When I think about that, I think uh, about a girl that I met just two, three years ago. And I'll never forget it. I was, I was uh, over in uh, Louisiana, and I'm doing the school assembly, and, and it was the first time that, that I felt like God was telling me to give out a dad hug. So I just went up in front of the school, and, and it was school packed, 600, 700 students. And I go, hey, I know there's some of you in here that have never received a dad hug. And if that's you, I want you to come down. I want you to get a hug from me. All these students started to line up. First person I went to go give a hug to was this girl. And I put my arms out, and then all of a sudden she put her hand out. And she goes, stop. Before you give me a hug, you have to know what has happened. She goes, see, when I was three years old, my dad began to molest me. He molested me all the way until I was 13. And then goes, the only reason why he stopped was because he got caught, and now he's in jail. And she goes, I'm 16 now, and I, that was the only love that I knew. And so ever since that day, I've sold myself on the street in order to get that same kind of love my dad gave me. She goes, if you hug me, you will be the first man to ever touch me and not want anything sexually from me. So I took that girl. And I gave her the biggest hug that I could. There were hundreds of students lined up that day. And she cried for like two minutes on my shoulder. And after everything was said and done, I took her to the sign and I said, do you want to know why I'm here today? She goes, why are you here? Because I go, there's a God that loved me, that took me in as a kid. And now God's my father. And I know he wants to be your father. Would you want that? She goes, I do. And right there in that school, I prayed for that girl to receive Jesus for the first time. And the reason why I know that worked was because after it was all said and done, it was six months later, I get a Facebook message from this girl. And she goes, Terrence, I don't know if you remember me. I go, of course I remember you. But she goes, that day when we prayed, I knew that God did something. And she goes, as soon as school got done and over with, I ran to my house. I found the closest church to my house, and I am there every chance that I can get. I stopped selling myself on the street. Thank you for showing me what true love is, because now I know it's my God. See, if you want victory in your life, you got to speak about it. You got to say it. You got to proclaim it. God loves you. Don't give up. No matter where you are at, don't give up. Right now, what I would like to do is I just want to pray. And I want to be able to pray for all those in here that maybe for you, uh, you have a need. Maybe for you, you're in the midst of going through change. Maybe for you, you're in the midst of going through some kind of family trouble. No matter what it is, 
I want to encourage you and I want you to know that God, he's cheering you on. He's calling your name. It's not about you having to run faster. It's not about you having to be better. God loves you just the way you are. God has victory for you. And all you got to do is continue to go towards him and you'll get it. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we're just coming for you right now. And God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for you giving your son to die on the cross for each and every one of us. That, Lord, that no matter where we are at in this thing called life right now, that, God, that you are with us. You are cheering us on. And more than just that, you are working things behind the scenes and the supernatural. So, Lord, I pray that you will meet each and every person where they are at right now. I pray that you will, for some, I even get my spirit, I, I pray that you will meet them in their depression. Lord, I pray uh, that you will meet them in, in their family drama and their financial crisis. And you will let them know, I am here and I'm going to take care of you. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.